Good morning. Light on Suitability podcast is here. We're back. We're excited to bring you another exciting show with your host, Elizabeth Camo, Daryl, and Sean. Why don't one of you let the audience know what we're going to be talking about today? Good morning, everyone. Um, Today, uh, we're going to talk about the recent phone calls we've been receiving from inmates and inmates' families in relation to COVID still being existing inside the prison system, inmates being shuffled around, inmates not being able to participate in self-help programs, and for those who are going to the parole board, how to stay prepared for the parole board without allowing yourselves to slack up or to uh, get sidetracked or prevented from performing your mission. Because the goal is to get out of prison, first and foremost. And, um, and then we're going to go through a series. We covered this before a little bit, how Sean and I dealt with, our, with the COVID-19 when we were in prison. But now that we're looking at it from the outside, we see that there's more that can be done or should have been done. Sean, and you're looking real good today, bro. I got to tell you, man, you dressed up nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Yeah, so we just want to encourage the family members and 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 the brothers and the sisters that's incarcerated to um we know it can be frustrating. Um we know it can, you know, be repetitive or being moved around, but always try to look at the glass half full. And so though you may be locked down, you can't get your movement, you can't go to the groups, but there's things that you can do. And so you can go get books. You know, you can read books, uh, write book reports on them. You can write different places uh, to get uh, material. That's what I did. I worked on doing book reports. I worked on uh, domestic violence, anger management, conflict resolution. I just did all type of things while, while I was sitting there. So to show the board that I just wasn't sitting there during this lockdown period. I was doing something, you know, with myself. And so we just want to encourage you guys to uh, go get some book reports. Go ask somebody, do do they need some help? Help someone. Because helping someone with their, their, their stuff, right, will also help you. And so just I encourage, you know, to go and start helping people, see if people need help with their relapse prevention plans, <clears throat> see if people need help with you know their anger issues or when you hear people complaining just give them a different spin and 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 make them look at the situation in a different light and so i think that's very important and family members you know i know it's hard you don't get to see your loved ones they don't they're not able to call but just remember don't allow them to call you on a cell phone (laughs) because you're not helping them what you're doing is encouraging them to commit criminal behavior that's criminal thinking right there right and so you know it's not worth the five-year denial at all for a 15 30 minute phone call on a cell phone and so we just want family members just keep encouraging your family members as you know whatever you need to do out there to encourage yourself because we know you're not getting visits and you know that's a big thing you know i remember it was a whole year we didn't have no visits right It, it was a little stressful Right. But uh, and just, you know, the guys that's in there, you're not going to get phone calls all the time. We're going we're going to go through this. Uh, we have protocols out here, too. Um, 
just stay focused. It's important to stay focused. I just, I encourage good people to take a piece of paper, make 10 squares, and I want you to write down the 10 most important things to you in your life. The first one being the most important. And I just want you to carry them around in your pocket, wherever you go for 30 days, right? Every time you reach in your pocket, you're going to fill them pieces of paper. It's going to remind you what's important to you. And so we just got to remember what's important to you because whatever is important to you, you're going to stay focused on that and you're going to block everything out that's going on around you. Because what's going on around you, the movement, people complaining and all that, don't engage in, in a group of people complaining. It's not, it's not going to change the situation. It's still going to move us. We still got COVID, you know, so we know what the problem is. What's the solution? The solution is to do everything we can to better ourselves and to help other people while we're in there during this COVID lockdown and just stay focused and stay encouraged. I want to add to that the reality that despite the fact when they watch the news, it appears that the, the bans are lifting and people are going back to work. But the reality is that COVID-19 is not leaving. It's not going anywhere. Uh, so in the prison setting, the administration, top administration from Sacramento has to take extreme measures to make sure that if it does enter into a prison or a facility, that it doesn't spread, because if it's spread, there's a possibility of death. And a lot of families don't look at it that way. They only look at their one loved one. You know, my family looked at me, and I used to tell them, well, I was in an environment where four people around me died, okay? So their family was being impacted in, in an extreme way. And I want the families to understand the movement is necessary, not just to protect your family member, but other family members. And I want the inmates to understand the movement is set in place to make sure that you don't contract it and spread it, and it's not spread it to you through, and you're not, and it's not, you don't contract it by the spread of others. That's the first thing you have to understand. Secondly, um, I got to understand, John, as well as you, how it felt to be lonely, how it felt to yeah. think about not ever seeing my loved ones again, because the closer I got to the board, the more excited I was about getting out. But with COVID being in existence, I was like, wow, what if I get out and I don't have family? So I really mashed on the gas to make sure that I was equipped mentally and emotionally to, to exit and then possibly be on my own. Because people don't think like that. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that, as you may mention, groups, the self-help groups that we attend routinely, they're, they're stopped because they will not allow the staff that come and facilitate and oversee the groups to come in because they may bring COVID to us because they work, they're from outside. So all groups are at a halt. So like you said, you know, we committed ourselves to doing book reports to show the board, hey, not only am I reading books, but I'm doing reports on the books because I can't go to group. Um, and going over our notes from, our, from the other groups and sharing it with people because it's, it is stressful. Um, you can get upset, but getting upset doesn't help you. And you want to stay as positive as possible. And like we were talking about earlier, the necessity of going through those 12 steps, whether you are a sufferer of alcohol, drug addiction, sex addiction, you know, because many people have different addictions. You know, our, our addiction was criminality. So we took the 12 steps, modified them so it was geared around criminality 
in contrast to just drugs and alcohol. So there is no way that a person is going to tell the board, the parole board, uh, I, I couldn't do anything. I was just sitting in the cell. They don't want to hear that. At all. They don't hear that. They want to show, what have you been doing while you were in that cell? Because now you have all day long to be prepared for us. Yes. I, I agree. Elizabeth, you got something you want to share? Please. I've got a list of items that maybe you both can build off of after I sort of rattle through them. First is it's an excellent, excellent way to work on criminal thinking and impulse control, which is naturally tied to criminal thinking, anger management. All those skills are going to be needed now because all those triggers, this, these lockdowns that have happened since time immemorial in prisons for a variety of different reasons, movements, unfair policies, and all of that are, have all been there. And so this is a great way to tell the panel, hey, when was the last time you were triggered uh, for anger? When was the last time you were triggered to think criminally? When was the last time you thought about using a cell phone and didn't, but you were triggered? And what, what did you use in place of that? As you know, you learn about replacement. Um, I think you guys learn Focus. about replacement theory or something about that. But um, in terms of the impulse control, you also have your skills of learning empathy. And one of the things one of Daryl or Sean mentioned was, oh, my family is worried about me, but other people's families are worried about them. But then take that even a step further to the victim's families, because the majority of, like I said, you, Daryl, you, Sean, and my, the majority of my clients are not in prison for possession of marijuana. They're in no. prison for killing someone's family member, trying to kill someone's family member, raping someone's family member, and on and on, kidnapping someone's family member, serious crimes. So while you sit here crying about having to be moved, your victims' families are crying because they'll, they never even get that opportunity. So a good use of your time is to think about victim impact and getting to empathy, the officers, like Sean was saying, don't sit around at the lunch table talking about the officers being the problem because it's not the problem. And as Daryl said, there's just a lot of mechanisms in place that CDCR has to implement. Whether they officers think it's a good idea or not, they have to follow the rules, right? Because otherwise there's consequences, they're gonna be fired. CDCR has to follow the rules. Otherwise, if there are deaths, they're facing lawsuits. Someone's family member is gonna be mad because someone else didn't wanna move. They didn't wanna move, they want to stay put. This is so unfair, right? So think about those things. And then in terms of you know cell phones, you know, there's money for cell phones, but why isn't there money for books, workbooks, self-help classes on the outside, the 50 bucks, because we know that cell phones are not free. So instead of using your impulse, you know, you're impulsively, I'm just going to call my family for 20 minutes, you know, well, you're going to cost yourself, like Sean said, a potential five-year denial. But again, 
really that doesn't show a lot of critical thinking skills, pro-social skills, because you could have taken that money from your family that you asked to put on your books and mailed it to Amazon or wherever, or had them mail it to Amazon or whichever bookstore to get you a workbook to show the panel that you've been working on one of your, one of your uh, bigger issues or two or three, however many you can get done. Um, Self-help correspondence, if you don't have money for cell phones, <laughs> regardless, right? You just don't have money because you don't have family or you don't have a job for whatever reason, or you're just making your 13 cents an hour and you just it's just not enough for a $50 book or $20 book or anything like that. There are free self-help correspondence classes and there's a lot of them. And if you've already done one and it's the only one available, do it again and do it again exactly. and share it with someone else. Um, bring it to the yard. Like we're saying, when you get your one hour of wherever you get your one hour on the yard or whatever, get with someone, don't go to the basketball court, go around, get on whatever benches you have available and sit with someone or two people that you know are going to board and start working and start working really hard and, and dig deep because a lot of, a lot of um, my clients, they take the classes, they know, they memorize the material, but they don't really understand it on that deeper level that the panel's looking for in order to have a conversation and really start not practicing using this time to practice scripting your testimony use this time to learn to to figure out how you feel identify feelings make real connections not this superficial scripted testimony really dig deep and really ask yourself why did i why did i join a gang why did i have to join that gang why did i stray off from an a family that wasn't the greatest, but there were my siblings didn't do it. Why did I do it and they didn't do it? And that again always comes back to those character defects and things like that. But you can't get there unless you spend the time talking about it. So I am going to turn it over to the two of you. I know I I kind of loaded it up, but um, that's that was uh, the list of items that I gleaned from listening to the both of you. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Um, very well done. And before Sean takes over, I want to reiterate about cell phone usage because I know right now it's a troubling time. And when we're on lockdown in certain prisons, you can't call your family. And I want families to know it is a crime. When I got caught with a cell phone, they will go back and look at those numbers that were called. And it's the same phone number that you give on your visiting contract. You will be taken off the visiting list. The inmate, myself, will go to the parole board after being caught with it, found guilty. I will receive a five-year denial, seven-year denial, 10-year denial, just because we wanted to talk to each other. But the biggest thing in this, from the deeper psychological perspective, if I ask my loved one to help me retrieve a cell phone, I'm actually committing a crime, which means I'm making you a new victim of mine. So we're not going to do that. And families, I want you to understand, don't become victimized and don't victimize the person in prison by making us feel guilty because we're not using the cell phone. I heard that too. Okay, <laughs> I heard that too. Don't do us like that. You want us on the street, be firm with us. And instead of spending all that money, help us get self-help 
material. Because when we come home, the self-help material helps us help you. I use a lot of the things I learned in prison with the people I deal with every single day. They've never heard of this stuff. I mean, who does? And if you help us and help your loved ones become better people, then you have better people in your midst. And that's what we're trying to do and motivate and encourage people to be better people, to be more tolerant people, to learn how to deal with anger, how to deal with frustration and loneliness and stress. You don't know how to do it. So I mean, and this is very, very important. And the more we learn how to deal with critical situations inside of prison, then the better we'll be not only in prison, but when we return back to the family. Sean? That, that was beautiful right there. Yeah, and so I, I heard Elizabeth speak, speak about the impulsiveness, you know, grabbing a cell phone, uh, doing this and doing that, right? So for me, I, I just want everybody to know that, that when you're inside and you're going through these things and you see yourself doing these certain things that triggers you to do this, that's a sign to let you know that, oh, hey, I need to work on this area over here because if I'm willing to take a chance to get a cell phone, knowing that I can get busted and it's a tight community and you know people tell on you all the time, so you, whatever you're doing, it's not in secret. Somebody's watching, somebody's telling. Then that shows that when you out here, because I remember the board talking about it, when you're out here and nobody's watching you, then what would you do? Right. And so uh, be mindful of when you're doing things and, and, and you responding off that impulsiveness, that that's an area that you need to work on. And so uh, don't beat yourself up because you fall in this area. Just look at it and say, OK, I messed up. Thank God and get in trouble. This is what I need to work on and start attacking that area of your life. So you can be better in this area. Because, you know, some of us is stronger in other areas. You know, me and Daryl, we were very impulsive off the bat, you know. And so uh, be mindful about your impulsiveness. Uh, and like Elizabeth said, you know, and you, Daryl, there's plenty of things to do in there. Like, literally, there's plenty of things that you can be doing in there to stay focused. And please, please, please stay away from the negative people. Stay away from the negative talk because if you hang around it, you'll start, you know, picking up their concepts and their belief systems. That's exactly what we did when we got to the games, when we started drinking, smoking, whatever we was doing. You know, we was listening to other people saying that it's okay to do that. It's good, you know. And so just stay focused, stay away from negative people. That ain't that ain't conducive to your spirit at all. And so we just, rec and like you said, Daryl, family members, do not encourage your loved one. <laughs> do not encourage your loved one to do criminal behavior. Because if you encourage them in there, then that honestly scares me too. Because that means you're going to encourage them to do criminal behavior when they get to the street. And so one thing I learned is while we were in prison, and, and I got to say, Daryl, for me and you, right, the last days of us going home, it was all type of stuff going on, right? And we really had to use the things that we learned, right? And I believe that at that time, I was like, man, God is just getting me ready for the street. Absolutely. Right? There's going to be some things that's going to come upon my life when I get out, right, that I'm going to have to utilize it 
And so he's already conditioning me to think, stop, pause, think, and not respond with impulsiveness, right? And so sure enough, I'm here, right? <laughs> and I'm here. And there's a lot of things that have come my way within these six or seven months. And um, I, I am really thankful that I, I experienced a lot of it going through some of these things inside before I got outside. And so, and the reason why I said that is because I got through it the first time and the second time, right? I know, so I'm encouraged that I know I get through it again and again and again and again. Most definitely. Most definitely. Right? And, and so yes. That's encouraging. And so I'm I'm very grateful for that. So we, we definitely want to encourage the people to stay focused, do what you do, recognize areas that you've fallen and you're slipping on, and just start working on that area. There's books, there's plenty. You can't tell me there's there, listen. It's so many people in there with uh, 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 self-help books and so many people in there with um, uh, uh, um, different places that you can write to to get some curriculum to help you on. I know it is. But if you're hanging around the dudes that's smoking weed, drinking wine, and <laughs> talking about the police complaining, no, they don't have nothing. They just got butt books and all that old stuff, right? But if you put yourself around the right people, that's going in the direction of going home. There is plenty of books, plenty of people that you can write that will send you curriculum that will help you out. You just got to put yourself in the right position. And you're absolutely correct, Sean. I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest something, and this is something that I did because uh, we were moved. I was probably moved about eight times from yard to yard, cell to cell. Uh, sometimes they'll throw me in and put me in a cell with someone who just told me about tested positive five days ago. I'm like, well, what am I doing in here with you? But uh, I mean, another, I mean, critical issue. Uh, if you refuse, you tell the officers, I'm not moving. I refuse to, then you're going to the hole. You're going to be written up and the parole board will look at you. Even if you come up with a good reason, they're going to say, well, if you refuse to do this, you're going to refuse to do everything when you get out of here. So we're going to give you a couple of years to think about it. But that's, 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 that's one thing. And they will give you a couple of years to think about that refusal because it shows that you're not amicable. You're not easily to be to follow rules. And, and we want and we want to do that. But and that did just that, happen to a colleague of mine as well. A, her client refused. Yes. Probably a good reason. Maybe not so much, but he didn't want to move. He felt like his life was going to be in danger. And well, the panel didn't didn't see it his way. So he got a five years to think about that. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what? We forget about the victims. We forget about the not only the victims, but the victims' family. And Elizabeth, thank you for shedding light to this in a different area than me and Sean even thinks about. Because I'm complaining that I'm getting moved, but I was in prison for murder. My victim can't move anywhere in that grave. My victim's family would probably love to hear that they get moved around in contrast to just silence. You know, so we have to become empathetic and have to put ourselves in different people's shoes so that we can understand we still have an opportunity that many people don't have. And not only that, but one of the things I did was I, I began writing each day how I felt about what I was going through. 
while I, while I was locked down for COVID. You know, each day I wrote down, okay, today I'm feeling this way. Or when something happens, I say, hey, right now I'm being triggered by, I'm being triggered by so-and-so with his shenanigans or his antics, and I'm a deal, and I'm and and I refer back to this. And I'm just, it was to myself. Because a lot of times I didn't want to talk to people. I sat there with a mask on and a bandana. I mean, trying to protect myself, you know. So I just wrote things down. And I, at the end of the week, I would look at it and say, wow, this is me. So I was learning more and more about me and how I deal with issues. And sometimes I was looking and said, wow, I got really frustrated right here. You know, I got to make sure this doesn't happen again. So we want to take every opportunity while we're incarcerated to learn as much as we can about ourselves. Like our previous guest, David, talked about self-awareness so that we can be equipped with the tools like Sean said. When you come home, everything's coming your way. And if you don't go through the necessary challenges and phases and stages inside a prison, you're gonna, you're gonna succumb to them. You're, go, you're gonna fall weak. You're gonna fall weak to them and who knows what the reality or outcome may be. I would just say too, if you're stuck in a cell and, and the guys moved in and you're worried about, you know, catching something or whatever it is. I mean, you always were worried about it, right? There's all norovirus and the other bird, the yes. other one in 2009 Swan, and MERS, whatever it was. And I mean, every time I went to that prison, they said, oh, we have this outbreak, that outbreak. And it was long before any of the other COVID stuff. So COVID. I would just say, um, you know, you're bored in your cell, you've worked as much as you can, your brain is, you know, fried on something scrub your cell down, you know, wash your hands, whatever, just because, you know, the reason we wash our hands is because we're constantly touching our eyeballs, our, our crevices, because we're, we're like mm -hmm. monkeys, right? So just go, yeah. okay, wash my hands. I'll, I'll set a good example for your cellmate, scrub the cell down, whatever, find a way to be the positive solution in there over a difficult situation. And I, I think that there are officers and I have seen them. I've seen the chronos in some of my clients' files, laudatory chronos saying, in times of real stress and strife, this person rose to the occasion and he never complained and he just moved and he was helpful to the institution for us. And he got a laudatory chrono for it. So that is also possible. They don't always have time and the movements don't always make that available because the officers don't have a, an opportunity to view that, but you can use it as an opportunity for that as well to shine in a difficult situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something to be taken advantage of also. Because Sean, you mentioned you were doing that when uh, during COVID. You were being let out. Exactly. But I wasn't doing it for a chrono. So I just want everybody to know, listen, everything's about not a chrono, right? It's about showing the character of person you are, right? And so, yeah, I was doing the groups. I was doing this to get the chrono. The only reason why is because I needed to show the board that I was doing something with my life. But me being in the groups, me doing the curriculums, uh, me helping people, like I didn't get chronos for helping people on the side notes and all that, right? The board don't know nothing about that. I was doing all this because I owe that to my victim, right? And I owe that to my family, to the victim's family, and I owe it to myself, most importantly, 
And so when you're in there, you helping the officers and you you calming down the little, like you used to do, Daryl, you was the chairman. You, you Oh my God, you you know, I was the chairman. You know how we hear all the complaints and it's always the officer's fault, it's always, it, but nobody wants to assess responsibility. But we was always putting out fires. The staff was calling us to go put out the fires, right? Absolutely. And so we, but we were doing that not in defense of staff or not in defense of these people. We were doing it because them were the type of men we were. We had absolutely. Still are, and still are, because we were in and instigated at one time. You know what I'm saying? And so it just showed character on who we are. It wasn't for Chrono, because if that's the case, we'd be we should have had a whole lot of Chronos for the stuff me and you did. Exactly. So it wasn't it wasn't about a chrono, it was just about making our yard peaceful. And that's what we did. Our yard was the most peaceful yard at the institution. At the institution. At and the most, you know what? Most groups, all that. Sean, I I uh I, I got a call and the guy was like, Are you so and so? Because I was listening to the podcast, and it's like I say, look, bro, that's me. And I just want to say this for our, for our listeners, because, you know, we weren't no goody two-shoes. You know, we didn't just come to prison and follow all the rules. I went to prison, and unfortunately, I broke every rule that, that I could break for many, many years. I did everything that I could do, thinking that I was fighting against the system, but the reality was I was fighting against me, and I was fighting against change. I was fighting against maturity. So I, I don't want to make it appear as if we just get on a podcast and we just got all the answers. We want everybody to just be like sheep. It's not like that. I mean, uh, experience is my best teacher. And I'm, I've learned that if my family, my loved ones, my life is really important to me, then I need to behave like that. Okay? I need to behave like that. I need to adapt new characteristics and new understandings of life so that I could be a person that my mom would, would be a, would approve, you know, not just CDCR, you know, not my family, not the people who say they love me or the people I say I love, but I, I, want, I want my mom to be happy with her son who brought her disgrace. So what we're talking about going through this process of COVID and maintaining our composure and continue to learn, this is so that we can take that shame and that guilt and that pain away from ourselves and our loved ones, yeah. okay? I mean, really, because I, I and I really want people to understand this. You know, we're not getting paid to do this. This is just real, you know, two real people who've been through it saying, hey, this is a way to get yourself together so you can get out because it's good out here. It's good out here. Look at us right now. We look at each other. I mean, you know, we dress nice. We got a smile. Elizabeth's looking at me. I mean, this is real right here. So I want everyone to experience this. I, I really do. And this is the reason why we're doing what we do, because we want people to be the best they can be because it feels good when you be good. It feels good. Yes, it does. It feels a lot better than, <laughs> a lot better than when we were screwing up versus, you know, when we started making positive change and changing, you know, help change everything. And being out here, smiling, living life, enjoying what our family, that feels a whole lot better. Like that's a, like I can't even describe that feeling. You gotta come out and experience it. <laughs> but you can't get out unless you go through the steps, unless yeah. you unless you put yourself through the process that Elizabeth was talking about. Unless you get serious and change, you will not be able to get out. And if and if your change is not sincere, they're going to pick you apart in the board. 
If all you did was memorize and you had no in-depth understanding, no answer, they're going to pick you apart and they're going to send you back to the drawing board and say, come and see us again in, in a number of years. Because we want everybody to understand that these commissioners and these DAs, they sit in thousands and <laughs> of board hearings. They didn't heard the slickest slicks. You know what I mean? Heard the dumbest dumbs. Like they didn't heard it all. There's nothing slick under the table that you can come in there and think you're going to get over on them. They know because when it's real, it oozes out of you. You can feel it. You can feel the aura of a person when they change their lives and when you talk to them. It's just like us. When we're talking to somebody, we can tell within the first 15, 20 minutes of, of where they're at in their life and, and what type of person they are. We sit in there for two hours. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't take 15 minutes, bro. Listen, we're talking to people immediately, you know. Oh, exactly. Immediately, you know. And immediately, they know. So, and immediately, and I'm, I'm again, and family members, don't be blinded because immediately, you know, also, if your loved one has changed. Yeah. And you know, and, and you know it better than anybody. You know it's better than anybody. Yeah. Don't be like, because that's my, my, my loved one. And have no, no. Want your family member to change. Remember what your family member did. Remember they created victim, right? Absolutely, absolutely. They made you their victim too. Don't don't forget that, right? That's right? You know they made you a victim. So you you will want them to have change because when they come out here, you wouldn't want them to to revert back to what they was doing at all. And so that's very important. And just to wrap it up too on, on sort of following with all of this is if you're a family member and you've sent in a support letter saying my loved one has changed and you mail it off to Sacramento six months before his hearing or whenever, and then you are writing that letter saying he's changed, providing the cell phone to him or her to use within that period of time then then your loved one gets caught with the cell phone that you provided or you knew he was using because you encouraged that not only is he getting a denial or she but your letter has no credibility and then the da is going to get on there and go your family member at the next hearing after your denial is willing to participate with you in criminal activity and now they're writing this letter saying, please let him out again. You're losing credibility. So you really need to take a good hard look, family members, at what you're encouraging and why. So keep that in mind. And that's criminal thinking on family members' part. And the like DAs will say your family member is not a good support network for you. Why are you wanting to be with family members who are willing to commit crimes? So, you know, the DAs, I mean, they're going to capitalize on anything and that is one thing they will capitalize. And, and the deputy commissioner will be saying, oh, I see this nice letter from your family saying you're a model inmate, but we got this chrono over here, RVR that says you're not the model inmate they think you are, or they know you're not. And then they're lying to us. So really a snowball is going to happen on that situation as well. So as much as you're tempted, write a letter, a nice little letter. You can pop it in the box. The porter will come by, take your letter to the family member. I'm in here. I'm safe. 
put a stamp on it. The prison will give you a free stamp if you don't have one. I'm okay, I'm doing okay. Write me back, I would love to get a letter because there's nothing better than the delivery of mail and your name's called out or however they pass out the mail and, and inmates love that. They love to get mail, so. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they do. <laughs> yes, they do. And, and oh wow. And, uh, you know, Elizabeth, and I, I like the way you put that because they will say when you are found suitable, maybe 10 years or five years later, as one of the conditions, you will not be allowed to, to be around this family member because yep. this family member is still, you know, in the throes of criminality. They can put and those kind of conditions. That happened to me. Certain two of my brothers, I cannot be around. Absolutely, you know. So, uh, and I, I know there's a lot of my family members. They haven't been excluded through the board, but I excluded myself because they are involved in things that I don't want to be involved in. So yeah. I will see them whenever, however, whenever they get it together. Because my freedom, my life is more important than me going to be around a bunch of people that I can I can go back to prison. Um, you know. Yeah. So we got to really think about a lot, and and this is big. Um, and then you have to also put yourself first and understand what's right for you. Exactly. All right. Um, let's wrap it up. I know you both have to get going. It's almost 11. And yep. we will see you next week. I might have a guest for us next week. My attorney friend, come on and we can ask her all kinds of questions about her ideas for representing people at their parole hearings. What's the best way of going about it? Family members, uh, so they know what to look for in attorney representation, perhaps. Absolutely. And whatever else guests have, we've got lined up. I was hoping to get 10 toes in also for a representation from representative from 10 toes in because 10 toes in deals with relationships. I know a lot of people struggle with relationships um, after release from parole and even while still in prison trying to get paroled as well, but mostly on, on release, it's trickier trickier yeah, situation absolutely. so perhaps that would be a good one i maybe david has a contact for us but other than that uh why don't i cut you guys loose all right thank you very much thank you our listeners elizabeth because we are going to the next stage and some people are waiting for us also so we're going to get that ready excellent um excellent and sean i will see you in a minute <laughs> okay